You know, over the last three decades or so, we as a society have become increasingly consumed by our looks. The sad news is that not only have we become more consumed by it, we actually are getting heavier as a society, even as our view of, of the ideal body type has become thinner. Isn't that sad? We've been more consumed by it, but it's, we're getting bigger, and our view of it, what the ideal should be is getting smaller. Now, if you've ever been to the beach, you know that uh, there are lots of body types out there, and they're not all just skinny, nicely tanned bodies. In fact, there are a lot more non-ideal types than ideal types of bodies. We see the beautiful types in our magazines and our cell phones and movie screens, but not so much in real life. But what does the Bible have to say about our bodies? Well, quite a bit, in different ways as well. This is our fourth and final week of our series, Waking the Walking Dead. Each week we've been talking about a different body part the scripture focuses on. The first week we talked about our bones. Ezekiel 37.4 says, Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. He said that to the nation of Israel because their hearts had gone far away from God and they needed new life. The second week, we concentrated on the heart. We used Proverbs 4.23 to, to teach and inspire us, and you maybe even memorize, because it's so simple and short. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And then last week, we talked about flesh and blood. Christ's blood gives us a new nature, but our flesh still tries to hold on to our old nature one of the verses I quoted last week was Romans 8, 5, which says, those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to what the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. So today we move on to the final part, and that's our, our whole body and what the Scriptures tell us about them. And there are actually a number of ways the, the Scriptures talk about our bodies, and so I'm going to focus on three of those today. And the first one comes from Luke twenty two nineteen, which says, and he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body broken, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, most of us who have been part of the church a while know this verse. We recite this pretty much every time we take communion, which is actually going to be next Sunday. Jesus spoke these words to his disciples at the Last Supper. And when we take, partake in communion, we remember that his body was given to us. Now, if you've been part of different churches or if you've studied different denominations, there are different viewpoints of what this means. The tra traditional Catholic viewpoint is, is when you take the, the bread, it literally transforms into the body of Christ. So you are ingesting Christ's flesh. Kind of weird in a way, but also empowering in the, on the other, other part of that. Now, other denominations take more of a symbolic approach to that, and some quite a few in between those probably two extremes. But in one way or another, of how you view it, we see Jesus' body as a sacrifice for our sin, and we remember that as we partake. So the first thing we have to know about bodies is that Jesus' body 
was given for everybody. Right? John 3.16, for God to love the whole world. You could even say it a little bit more specifically, literally, Jesus' body was given for every body out there. His body into our body. The next body we must look at is how Jesus' body was transformed from his burial to his resurrection. So John 20, 19 and 20 says this about appearing to his disciples after his resurrection. It says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after this, he showed them his hands and sighed, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So it's interesting about this passage that Jesus appears out of nowhere in this locked room. How do you get there? Now, whether that means Jesus teleported in that room or he walked through a wall, I'm not really sure. It's kind of cool to think about either way, really. In the book of Luke, the disciples at first thought he was a ghost. But he was able to show them his scars. Later he would eat fish, so he wasn't just a spirit at that point. So I'm going to talk a little bit about an opinion thing here, rather than just for sure a biblical fact, but I think there's a lot of evidence to support it. There may be more to this story for us to know than just thinking that it was cool that Jesus appeared out of nowhere. Has anyone ever been curious about what our future bodies will be like? You know, the scriptures say our bodies will rise again when Jesus comes. Most people tend to think that means only a spiritual body will rise, and I have to admit, that's, I've thought that at different points in my life, but I, I don't think that so much anymore. I think there's more evidence that we will actually have a physical body. Spiritual, of course, as well. And Jesus' resurrected body may give us a preview of what we are going to have someday. I say this as opinion because it's a little bit tricky, because Jesus was God incarnate. We are not. Jesus is different from us in some ways. Right? But he was also in so many ways a model for us. Here, do this as I have done this. And maybe we will have that type of body. May not be what you dreamed about when you look in the mirror, but it would not, I imagine that body is going to be better than what we've got. Maybe, maybe we'll just shine a little bit as well. Maybe we'll have a little bit of glow. Wouldn't be not surprised looking at the scriptures if that was true. So the second thing we need to know about bodies is that Jesus' resurrected body may be a preview of our new body. Can I hear an amen for that? I mean, I'm really, really, aren't you glad you're really going to have to put up with that body, your body, the rest of your eternity? So the last passage that we need to know about bodies is, comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 26. So this is a little longer passage, but it reads really, really well. So I'm going to read that passage for you. Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. 
Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God had placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many body parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while the presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put them together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. But that as parts should have equal concern for each other. For if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. <laughs> oh, how the church would be so much greater if we could embrace this fully in every way. Well, it's hard. It's hard. Because body parts, we tend to be everything from prideful to jealous to insecure to maybe even a little bit aloof. You know, the nose might say to the foot, you smell terrible. And the foot may say back, give me a break. I've been running all day. And the nose replies, hey, I have a cold. I have my own running to deal with. That would be the church at its worst. A room full of busy, uncaring, private people who can't work or play together. Even a group of five people, we get together, we'll have five different opinions, five different ways to approach things, five different weaknesses. It's a wonder the church has survived. But it has. It's even thrived at times. It thrives when people understand their place in the body. When they, they give up their, their wishes or their methods or their ideals for the greater good of the body. And we understand how, the, how to submit to the Spirit in, a, in an atmosphere of unity. I don't know about you, but I've been part of the church a long time. It's a little different from mine because for the most part, all my adult life, I've been hired by the church. So I don't know what it's like to be in your shoes, at least for the last so many years. I don't know about you, but I'm sure at some point in your life, you've been tempted to probably leave the body. And then maybe there are good reasons to leave the body. Because you don't feel part of the body, because you don't agree with some of the body. And again, there are good reasons. And the church can fail, even, even in best of its tensions, the church fails. As a leader, I can say, I, I fail. We fail to appreciate one another. We fail to recognize one another. The body is imperfect. But the one thing that you have to know about the body, even amidst all those problems and flaws, is you are essential to the body. You. 
are essential to the body. Everybody counts in the body of Christ. And you know what else? If one of us suffers, we all suffer. If one part is honored, we are all honored. See, we live in a society right now that, in a culture that is very individualistic. And I get that. And I'm individualistic in most ways, too. We, we honor people and persons for what they did. But not every culture is like that. And the church still encourages us to see ourselves as a team. Maybe even a family. And if you think your meager little talent and presence in the church is unappreciated and unneeded, then read these words again. Those parts that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Do you believe that? I don't know if you see yourself as a weaker part. In my, in my weaker moments of my life, I have thought of myself as the weaker part, if not more often than not. But the Bible says you are indispensable. Pretty strong language. Now, I want to make one thing perfectly clear. I've been part of the church long enough to to know this truth. We cannot judge people's faith based on how many hours they're at a church. Some people, it's easy to do that, but it is not the best way. That's not the best indicator of a person's faith. So I want you to know that. The goal is not to get you here every day of the week. In fact, that would probably cause more harm than good. But I will say this. We live in a culture where personal faith is still honored to, agree, to, to a degree. But my friends, you need community. That community might be a small part of the church. Your, your, your essential part of the body might just be one or two other people. But it still must be part of the body. If you are to be where Christ wants you to be, it doesn't mean you have to show up at every church activity. It means you need people in your life that will support you and encourage you and be with you and let you know that you are valuable. And if you don't have that, you need to pray for it and you need to look for it and you need to maybe be part of the bigger body until you find the smaller part of the body. But it's tough. Let's say you want to volunteer. And I'm going to use an example that we don't really use at our church so that you know that it's not anything that's happened here. What if, what if they said, okay, I want to volunteer at the church? And the, and the church would say, oh, well, sorry, but the only thing we got for you is to fold bulletins. That's, that's the job we have for you. And you think, wow, jeez. Thanks for the compliment. I'll try not to overtax my brain as I fold those pieces of paper. But what I'm saying is, and, and not that 
you're all needing a full bulletin. Though Janelle might appreciate it if you do. Um, if you would have that job, you can make it a ministry. And you think, right, folding bulletins. Okay, I'll try to make the creases real sharp. Have you ever thought maybe you could pray for each person holding that bulletin today, that day? Maybe you could just go wild and put a mark on one. And then when they come Sunday morning and then you, it's like that person, you know, you give them a little trinket or candy bar or something. Or even better yet, let's put a special note of encouragement in one. Say, I've been praying especially for what family, what person would receive this Sunday morning. And I want to know you that you are valuable to the body. You are appreciated and loved. And God, I'm just trusting that God's going to get to the person he wants to get it to. Yeah, folding bulletins, that doesn't mean nothing, right? No, you can make it a ministry. This is what happens when the Spirit guides the body, community. The little pinky toe that no one thinks is important becomes the difference maker in the church. My friends, it doesn't matter whether you're the pinky toe or your the eye or the mouth or whatever. Be who God calls you to be. Make it valuable to the greater good. Serve the body. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward as I start to summarize and, and uh, close here. There are three things we need to remember today about the body. Number one, Jesus' body was given for your body. His body into your body. What a great gift. Number two, Jesus' resurrected body could be an indicator, a, a, a preview of the new body you're going to get. Number three, you are a vital part of Christ's body. The church body. You can tell yourself whatever you want during the week. But the Word of God says that you are vital. And if for some reason you think are less than, then those bodies are given extra value by God. When you are not recognized by other people is when God recognizes you the most. We've got the past, the present, and the future all wrapped up in these three bodies. The past, we, we recognize what Jesus did for us in the past to give his body towards our body. We look forward to, the, to what our new bodies are going to be like someday. And today, it's not just about me. It's about the body together. I would not be standing up here being convicted, being affirmed in, in my role as a, your pastor, if not for so many people in this church praying for me, teaching me, teaching me about things that I didn't know two years ago. 
And even though we might struggle back and forth, I am forever grateful to you for being part of the body in my life. I need you as much as you need me. We will move forward into this community based on how our body does together. We could impact this area, we could impact only, we could impact beyond if we are one body. Let's be about the God's work.